Coming up on episode 12, Sven, this is why we do this. These albums, I mean, besides the besides the drinking. That's why I'm here. This is why we do this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This was a good week. Yes. Verse, chorus, verses up next. Welcome to Verse Chorus. Verse with me is Sven, the voodoo child Knudsen. How are you this evening, Sven? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm okay. I got the second leg of the vaccination yesterday. Really early, 8 a.m. Just like four hours ago, I started to get super cold stuff. So I don't know if it's the vaccine or if I just have a cold. I don't know. But I'm refusing to go down... We've got too much good music to talk about today. This will be great if it ends up like the evil episode where I had had my second shot and I was just going downhill fast by about like 20 minutes in. <laughs> and then all the drinking on top of it. Guy was so... You're in rare form. Talk about brain fog. I'm telling you, the biggest feedback I get on this show, and I don't understand it, is that we like it when you guys are more drunk. We want more slurring. It's insane. You're all a bunch of messed up people. For real. When I go in to edit the episodes, it's so hard to leave yourself sounding like an idiot in there. <laughs> but apparently that's what the people want. Speaking <laughs> of the people, I wanted to... We've been doing this for a while now. We're about seven episodes in released. We're on to you know, episode 12 here recorded, which I know is probably kind of weird for people that were far ahead. But you know, for guys that don't do this as their number one living you got to do what you got to do we need we need some episodes in the bucket right yeah we've gotten to where we have really amazing fans absolutely i just wanted to shout that out we've got people that have been there from the jump since weeks before we even released we've evil evil doesn't count because evil's a regular so he's (laughs) he's got skin in the game He's always given amazing feedback. We've got old friend of ours from high school, Rachel Polio, has been yeah. backing us up the whole way. We've got, his name is Mark. Mark, with Pure Nonsense, has been on us on That's Instagram right. since the very, very beginning. A couple people that, are, that email us uh, every week, every other week, Kim, Jared, my coworkers, uh, not you, like my real job coworkers, you know, the job where I actually make money at, <laughs> those coworkers. Super, super supportive. You know, Melissa, Verna, they've helped with the art because I have no idea what I'm doing as far as putting together posts and things like that. They've they've really, really helped. Uh, and then we have our family, obviously. My mom's my biggest fan. I wanted to spend some time at the beginning of this episode to say thank you so much to uh, all of you that have been helping us out since the very beginning. It's, it's really Absolutely. awesome. We have so many new friends now. This is great. Yeah. We really do. It's awesome. Indie artists that we're making friends with and playing their music, which, by the way, opening this episode tonight, we are playing music by Catboy Sound. It is a person that we found. I don't remember if we found him or they found us on Instagram. And this dude is it's pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah, legit. he does some crazy stuff and he's a machine. He just cranks stuff out. He's got like 17 albums online. Yeah. It's insane. And I think like I, I saw a note that he re- he records to cassette and then bounces that into his DAW and then digitally continues to just manipulate and add and arrange and he comes up with some some pretty awesome sounds and pretty pretty cool tracks. Yeah. So calm down, you know, Catboy Sound. You you don't need to do all that. So we are <laughs> playing his music tonight. The song that was on in the intro to this is Enter the Dragon, which he's got really cool stuff and he has so much of it. He's on Bandcamp, he's on, you know, he, all that stuff. If you go to his, I think his Instagram has a link tree, which is the easiest way to do it. That is at Catboy Sound. But check him out. We're going to be playing his music through this whole episode, our intros and outros. We're getting artists all over the place, but it's awesome. I've never been happier. We've got some collaborations that are going to be in the works, and it's just... This is a blast. How fun is this, Sven? Um, really? and, and I can't believe the the response and how overwhelmingly positive it's been just right out the gate. 
I, I honestly thought hey, we're just going to drink and talk about music. and Seven people are going to you know, listen. Who cares if yeah. anyone listens? Like, yeah. And so apparently apparently this is a thing. We're a thing. So we are, we are back thing. with a classic episode. Just like the first episode we ever did, we took two very classic albums and we gave them to each other. I love this because both of these artists, they hold their own in their own space we're, this is a groundbreaking episode because we've got two groundbreaking people um, whose music we're about to talk yes, about. Yes, these two are the pinnacle of their instrument. Absolutely. You I are going to find that's... different genres and different equivalencies and things like that, but you will not find better at their instrument than these two people. I think there's going to always be people that can argue that. Yeah, but they're dumb. We'll, we'll talk a little more when we get into in, into the, the details of each yes. album, I, I think. In every way, they shaped their genres, and not only their genre, they, they shaped music. They saved it, too. They Yeah, actually, in their own way, and, and they're decades apart, which is awesome. I am so jacked so, for this episode, yeah. and it's daunting when you take stuff like this on, but in the end, you just sit back and you realize, this is so fun. We're about ready to get started. Let's first... Get to the most important part of the night. Sven, what are you drinking What am I tonight? drinking? You like peanut butter? I do. I'm a long distance I... runner, and that's one of the top foods that you need to like to be a long distance runner. The next time you're about to go uh, do a marathon, PB and death. Oh, all right. That is a cool can. It is an awesome can. Irish death is a really awesome, dark, smooth, kind of strong ale. And they decided to go ahead and put peanut butter in it. Iron Horse Brewery. Do you know where they're located? Uh, Washington. Ellensburg, Washington. Holy yeah. shit. And Irish Death, my wife loves that beer. And so we, we usually have some of it on hand. And when I saw that they had a variety with some peanut butter in it, I thought I'd better try it. What, yeah, what's the verdict on that? You know what? This, this tastes like breakfast to me. It, coffee with some peanut butter, some toast, and a good buzz, hopefully. Tonight, I am drinking a Cuba Libre. Monday, we're premiering with a band out of Atlanta, so I wanted a drink that had Coke in it because Coke comes from Atlanta. It's bottled Coke. I used Kraken rum, which I'd never had. It is really good for this drink. I It's, it's pretty spiced, right? If Not I... my favorite rum. Do you have a dog? Yeah, who's going absolutely nuts right well i've got two dogs uh the the golden lab i didn't go- know that you had I've dogs got two obnoxious big dogs this is how how much sven and i hung out before this podcast i didn't even know he had fucking dogs my whole life i didn't and then now i do and <laughs> well thanks for stealing my thunder while i was trying to talk about my drink well hey you can blame betty white because yeah. that's what she does best stupid betty white it's a cuba libre it's an ounce of kraken it's a half a so i learned this and we've already talked about him before but jeffrey morgenthaler who is a cocktail genius he had mentioned putting gin in a cuba libre which is a glorified rum and coke that's what a cuba libre is but half ounce of tangeray fourth of a lime squeezed and just dropped in huh. so it's coke ounce of rum, half ounce of gym, fourth of a lime, and two dashes of bitters. It's on the sweeter side. So if you don't like sweet drinks, you won't love it. But those of you that like kind of the sweet sour drinks, it is so good. Yeah. The, Way good. The gin surprises me a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of curious. It adds now, this kind of tart, this floral pop to it that's it's so good. I think I'd like it because rum and cokes are usually way too sweet and way too one note. They're just, it, that's all it is. It's corn sugar and exactly. rum, which is more sugar. Kraken actually works really well with it because Kraken is a really spicy, sweet rum. There's not a lot of, I like my rums with a lot of like funk, but no, it's a really, really good drink. So with the Cuba Libre and the peanut butter and death beers, I am going to take a shot before we start tonight. Like we said already, this is very pre-recorded. We're a few weeks ahead. But just so yesterday, DMX died. DMX is one of my five favorite rappers of all time. He's one of the only fucking rappers in that late 90s period. This was a time where there were all the jaw rules and the <laughs> yeah. you knew this dude lived what he rapped about. Nobody was doing that at that point. Oh, yeah. D- DMX is one of those. I, no one messes with him. Like Even if you don't like him. There, there weren't a lot of diss tracks about DMX. There's none. <laughs> he, he gets that respect. It yeah. doesn't matter whether you like him or not. He gets that respect. 
And obviously there's copycats that that voice. It's it's a unique voice. The the growl that he has, like yeah, probably yeah. appreciate him more now actually. But well, he rest he in was peace. fantastic. Yeah, I I loved him. He's a lot of nostalgia for me. One of my best friends I ever had. He and I listened to him all the time. So yeah, let's let's raise one to DMX. I'm gonna take a shot of Hennessy. What what do you got there, Sven? Uh, somebody drank all the liquor in my house and didn't go buy more. So. I've got so like you got some Stoli though. We're doing some Russian, yeah. I don't think he'd care. Booze is booze. Right. All right, so so and, and here's the DMX. Yeah. Here's to the the Rough Riders. All right, so we are going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Y'all ready for this? For this week, I gave David Jimi Hendrix Electric Ladyland. You just heard the song Oxygen by Catboy Sound. So thank you to Catboy Sound, Jimi Hendrix Electric Ladyland. This was my first encounter with Jimi Hendrix. Ever? Kind of a little bit of a unknown. He was a guitar player player slash singer i guess in the 60s <laughs> once upon a time oh my good god you're just like making me sweat over here okay it's a good thing we're not doing video because i think like my head just exploded and we <laughs> get it out of the way spend what did you think my favorite song in this album was i know which song i really wish it would be um and, and... i'll start with you i think that your favorite is all along the watchtower i know it's unoriginal I know it's a fucking gimme, but I mean, I don't know, though, because this album is not necessarily a gimme, but I'm still going to say yours is all along the Watchtower. Just I would feel too stupid if I didn't pick that. And that was your favorite (laughs) song in this album. Okay, well, I'm going to flip my response then. I'm going to say that you liked Crosstown Traffic. All right. I'm going to go ahead and get kind of the basics out of the way first. With these classics albums, there's so much... This is Jimi Hendrix. There's a lot of stuff to cover anytime you're going to talk about Jimi Hendrix. There's a lot of eggshells that you got to walk on. There's a lot of things that you are supposed to cover. There's a lot of fans that you're going to gain and a lot of fans you're probably going to lose. So let's just get into it. This was recorded in London and New York. It was released in October of 68. It was worked for about a year kind of just going on the trip that Jimmy was going on at the time. This was the experience's third and final album. This spent two weeks at the U.S. number one. This album is the epitome of, if you go back and you look at what people were saying about it at the time, this album is the epitome of people do not understand or see coming what is groundbreaking at the time. Right. Reviewers were completely flummoxed by this. Oh. They didn't understand what the hell they were hearing. He didn't fit in a category. They didn't have a genre for this, right? Yeah. He's a blues guitar player making all this noise and turning his guitar way past the point of it's overdriven and then now it's crackling and distorting. And I don't know. The, the, the guy made noises almost as much as he made music. Yes. So it it was new. And the presence was new until researching for this album. I didn't fully recognize he was just so not that he was such a free loving. Oh, this is a gentle. Calm. Yeah. He was the alpha male in the room. He, he was shy. did not act like it at all. There's a few really prominent guests on this album. Steve Winwood is on this album. Jack Cassidy guests on this album. They're from Traffic and Jefferson Airplane. Big people. It had already been well established that Jimi Hendrix was the god king of guitar. I, I remember seeing this documentary and the interview was with Jeff Beck and he was talking about sitting in a club with Eric Clapton and Jimmy came on and started playing and they both I mean and, and Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck this is a piddly little guitar this th- these are some monster guitar players especially back then yeah it's th- they were the people that everyone wanted to be like back then yeah. they looked at each other when Jimmy comes on and say Gee, this guy's going to put us out of work yeah he was playing blues like they did but wow could you imagine being somebody like a Jeff Beck or a Clapton and really thinking, I am at the height of my profession. I am the Michael Jordan. Right. And then Jimi Hendrix gets on stage and he starts playing. And you realize that everything and that he's, you've done he's is for a, nothing. He's playing an upside down <laughs> guitar 
and and like left-handed but it's raw it yeah uh it you know like first appearances you're probably just like laughing thinking like okay I, who the hell is this joker and then yeah. he starts wailing yeah. i'll say it now because there's going to be a lot of these jeff beck and eric clapton type stories if you want to write to us write to us i love it i'll answer and listen to anything but with a legend like Jimi hendrix because that's what he is he is a legend there's going to be a lot of I heard this happened. I heard this happened sort of stuff. Just roll with it. Please don't tell me. Actually, you know, Jeff Beck <laughs> never yeah. met Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I don't need to hear that shit. Because I, Jimi Hendrix is one of those beings that just puts you yeah. in your happy place. Sure, if some of the folklore is a little bit extravagant, good. Yeah. Just enjoy it. You know, I think that sets up what I, I want to say. And I, I only want to say it once because I don't like saying it but I feel like I need to, and then I'm going to sit back and never say it again. I'm excited to hear what you're about to say. <laughs> All right. Acknowledging that Jimi Hendrix is a legend and that he influenced music, and not only guitar music and, and guitar players, but just music and the world of music, especially blues and rock. In my humble opinion, he's mm-hmm. not the greatest guitar player. Certainly not the greatest guitar player of all time. No one can do what Jimi Hendrix did better than Jimi hendrix yes so i guess i'll leave it there i'm not trying to bash jimmy but no, and what he does is really specific to what he does and he does that so damn well i completely agree i know exactly what you're saying and i know that if we had a million listeners we'd get 700 hate mails probably for, for that and i think that's silly because what who's to say are you telling me that Jimi hendrix is better than andre segovia is that what you're telling me because I will argue that there are so many absurd fucking guitar players that came out of 80s butt rock, oh. for example. I could name you five off the top of my head. Right. That you're telling right. me that those guys weren't as adequate as Jimmy was? No. I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is what made Jimmy Jimmy was the presence. It was the perfect time. It was the perfect place. Right. It was the perfect person doing the perfect thing with his instrument that just yeah changed it, it was it was all about delivery Jimi hendrix delivered yeah his technique and his music in a way that you just you had to love it this album there are jams on this album which to me as we know by now i'm not big on the live album stuff and this album does have some yeah. improv shit that uh, i'm not saying shit it's, it's fucking amazing i'm just saying there are fuck-ups on this album. You could probably name 10, just bam, right off the top of your head. Blues in general or jazz, you're going to fuck up. Yeah. The brilliance behind a good blues or jazz musician is not not fucking up. It's knowing exactly where to go Absolutely. to change Absolutely. your fuck-up into Absolutely. correctness. And you know, as far as like other guitar players, you can find people that are technically so much more proficient, and they play not just blues they play so many styles mm-hmm. so i guess that's why i make that comment and I'm, I'm not trying to take away from jimmy and his talent because that honestly influenced me as a young guitar player like that's how i learned to play electric guitar was listening to jimmy and trying to copy him and i didn't grow up in a particularly musical household i was allowed to listen to whatever i wanted to listen to but I had to find it myself for the most part. There became a time at some point where my dad started handing me some pretty cool shit. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy, I found on my own. The first thing I heard was the national anthem at Woodstock. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be honest, and I feel like I can't be alone in this because I'd already been playing guitar for a while. And I was, this is the greatest guitar player that ever lived. Right. It's an awesome solo. It's fantastic. But I don't get it. There's... Tons of fuck-ups. It's not technically savvy, really, at all. Right. It's just kind of this mishmash of... A bunch of blue scale on top of the national anthem. It starts... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was super young. I didn't get it. So I can. I totally respect what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good then, I guess. <laughs> so um, this is not a Jimi Hendrix dissection. <laughs> this is actually just supposed to be about one album. <laughs> let's do this. Yes. Let's talk about Electric Ladyland, not just Jimi Hendrix. And and that just speaks to Jimi Hendrix is it's pretty much impossible to say anything about him without just diving into 700 yeah. rabbit holes. Yeah. I always say this. It, every single episode is a thing, and I'm sure it's annoying, and I'm sure eventually there's going to be T-shirts made out of it. But sitting down to this album 
not just the fact that it's the album that it is, but I also bought the audiophile double album. Sitting down on a Friday night to this album is, it's like a religious experience. That's so awesome. This album is just buy the vinyl and listen to it on vinyl. You will not be sorry. It is a completely different experience. It's, you're listening to it in its original format, and when when things get converted, they prioritize things a little different within the mix. So yeah, we but. we can talk about the production now because this would have been a fucking nightmare to make back if then. You, anyway, yeah, my god, yeah. First of all, Jimi Hendrix, surprise, surprise, was a complete perfectionist. We're talking Stanley Kubrick, Mitch Mitchell, fifty takes on one song for a year is just sitting there. Maybe you need to raise this. Maybe you need to lower this. Maybe you need to add this. Maybe you need, I mean, crazy perfectionist, but he was also super in a lot of ways. He was kind of a prick when he was making this album. He was obviously super famous at this point and he was very, I'm going to show up yeah. when I'm going to show up. Yeah. I'm going to show up with a hundred fucking people. Even no Redding said in an interview, he didn't even have a place to, fucking sit and play jimmy would show up with so many people that he couldn't even play and Chaz chandler who had been jimmy's producer manager everything for so long this album tormented them so badly that a Chaz quit before the album was done and b it seems like this is what broke up the experience yeah who really knows but like i think that that's pretty close to (laughs) yeah it seems like when it when it com- came to work, he was a little bit different. And I think you're kind of alluding to that a little bit about how much of a perfectionist it was and how he could be a little bit of a... Yeah. When you listen to the album, it's hard to imagine someone being a perfectionist yes. because he definitely left in things that sound raw. I don't think perfection was what he was going for. He was trying to perfect what was in his head, but perfect wasn't what was in his head, if that makes this sense. This didn't sound like anything when it came out. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much about this album that I remember. I think I went a whole year where this was what I mainly listened to. I, I was I was really into my guitar at the time. This was one that I didn't try to play along to. This was one I just sat there and just had to listen. And there were so many things that I thought at the time were so lame because it's like, yeah, well, you didn't do any of the cool guitar shit. Come on, you're supposed to be Jimi Hendrix. And and now going back and listening yeah. to it, not as a teenager, I'm like, oh wow. He wasn't just a guitar player. He made music. It kind of, I guess it speaks to it that I loved it so much because it's not my style of album. It's really not. Voodoo Child is this, not the reprised Voodoo Child, but the original, the the jam session Voodoo. That's like a 12-minute song of just an improvised jam section. You know, Jimmy was monstrous, but his rhythm section that he brought along with him. Mitch Mitchell was seriously... So understated. I swear, everything about Jimi Hendrix and his little collection of musicians is how I learned to play music. Because when I first started playing drums, I copied Mitch Mitchell. Noel Redding, his bass line on Crosstown Traffic. That's honestly my favorite, one of my favorite things about the entire album is that bass line. I'll tell you, Crosstown Traffic, I am a simple guy that just, I I don't care... (laughs) What anybody tells me I'm supposed to like, I want the blues, Jimmy. And fucking Crosstown Traffic is, yeah. that's when I'm in my super duper happy place. When he yeah. just does the bad at, and then you get the drum, and he's doing his kind of sing, yell, talking. Nobody will ever do it better than that. It's so goddamn. He has a fucking homemade kazoo in that song. Did you know <laughs> I didn't that? No, it was homemade. No, <laughs> he made he his made... own kazoo in the studio. <laughs> I wondered what that. I thought they were just overdriving a vocal or something. Okay. That's where all the. That's where all the Jimmy stuff comes from for me yeah we talked about the improvised voodoo child stuff which I, I do like he calls back to a lot of his influences his he does the hoochie coochie muddy waters thing which is really cool he does it in, in gypsy eyes uh-huh. it's just kind of this mind-blowing piece of writing where he's he's playing and he's plucking and it's bowing in and out everywhere, they, all over your ears. It's just... It's got to be all the good drugs they had back. Yeah. For as much as I'm not a big improv jam session on the album guy, the 1983 song, the mermaid concept, <laughs> whatever that is, Jimmy, 
I kind of love it. The beginning guitar riff and the themes. Of course, it's it's fucking awesome because it's Jimmy. There's the the very classic chord progression, A minor to C to D type thing that he does. Are you telling me that I picked the wrong song as your favorite? Da- was David's favorite song the 13 minute? Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be pretty funny if it was. <laughs> I do not know you. What is, I, I can't remember the name of the song, but there is a song that is completely, every great guitarist would emulate it forever. Stevie Ray Vaughan. And come on, let the good times roll. Okay. So every single amazing guitarist, when you have a song that is such that, a basic... That, that definitely came from the blues roots. Like his 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 roots. Yeah. I remember I used to know these stories back and forth. I, I think his dad was a guitar player. Maybe it was his dad's friend. It was either his dad or his dad's friend. That's where he first, that's where he first picked up his first guitar. And that, that became the... Like you just talked about stevie ray you talked about that became kind of the standard that very much to me speaks back to like his roots where where jimmy came from that was kind of almost like a paying tribute to music that he listened to growing up or that he was exposed to when he was trying to learn and like almost call and response between your voice and your guitar that blues players do you know you you play a lick exactly sing a lick exactly you play another lick you sing another lick like you're you're trading with your voice and i feel like and I feel like before him, that was done. Obviously, that's been done for forever. I mean, it started in the Deep South, and it's it's been being done for a long time. He made but... it like this mainstream. It would have sucked to be a guitar player in a blues or like a rock band at the time because you hear him do, and then you're like, well, now I gotta, I gotta try to do that because that's what people are gonna expect. No, I need to right? change my profession. <laughs> uh, burning of the midnight lamp. I felt like that was a really. <laughs> Kind of a, a look into what kind of did him in his mm-hmm. whole gypsy travel, yeah. never, never, never stop, go and go and go until you're passed out for thirty Empty. hours, and then you exactly. And I feel like that's got to be what absolutely did him in. But that's the thing is, you listen to songs like that, and you. So this is me. I'm listening to this album, and I'm sitting in my living room. I'm in my comfortable little leather couch, and I'm drinking a whiskey, and I'm thinking, fuck. This dude is working the Wawa, and he's the first one that did this. Right. It's, it's such a hard thing to try to put into words of what that is. In, unless you are a guitar player, he's, you, he's making you don't his understand guitar talk. what the fuck I'm like saying. He's, but. He's, he's using his guitar like a mouth yeah. with that Wawa. I mean... In a way. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's get to it now. To the end of the album, this is when he puts right. the House Burned Down song and Watchtower at the end, which is really, the whole album is kind of this free love, bluesy, I'm going to love you, girl, this and that. And then all of a sudden at the end, he has this Vietnam, and then he has Watchtower. I mean, House Burning Down is what you have to understand about this time and place is Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. Mm-hmm. The House Burned Down was all about him watching the city fucking burn after MLK had been assassinated and people were going ape shit. And he wasn't, and I'm not saying this is wrong or right, I'm not being political, but he wasn't this like, yeah, fucking fight the power. He was, why the fuck is everybody burning shit down? Mm-hmm. We need to be getting together and loving each other and that sort of thing. That's what this song is all about. Go read the lyrics. And then as far as Watchtower, we can talk about Watchtower now. I'm not going to get all the way into Watchtower. <laughs> and the reason, Sven, is because we are going to do an episode uh, on we all need along to. the Watchtower, a full episode. I want to talk about the covers of the covers of the covers i want to talk about who did it best i want to talk about what we love about each version let's just start with it now we'll start with watchtower this watchtower is probably jimmy's most famous song even though it's not his uh, but like top three I, i'd say yeah yeah for it's sure it's gotta be right when people think of all along the watchtower absolutely to me, that was what everybody covered. Yes. Even if they changed yes. that, you know, they didn't keep the tempo. They didn't keep the intro. I do want to set the record yeah. straight here, and I will. This is one of the things that, yeah, go ahead and write us, but this is true. This is the lore that always I, I was always most curious about, but Dylan never, quote-unquote, gave this song 
to Jimmy. He never said, like, this is your song now. He never did anything like that. In 95, Bob Dylan, in an interview, said, when I heard Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower, it overwhelmed me, really. He had such talent, he could find things inside a song and vigorously develop them. He found things that the other people wouldn't think of finding in there. He probably improved upon it by the spaces he was using. I took license with the song from his version, actually, and continue to do so to this day. Wow. So he never gave it to Jimmy, but he did one better. He basically said Jimmy was so good at it that I kind of stole shit from him. Copied it back. Moving forward. Listen to any almost any other version. I think you can hear what he's talking about. And I'm I'm sure for for a lot of people on this album, Watchtower is the that's the end all be all. But for me, it's not. For me, the the end all be all on this is the Voodoo Child reprised. Yeah. When you think Jimi Hendrix, when I think when I think guitar, fuck Jimi Hendrix. When I think guitar, that's it. That's it. It's that distorted. I was wondering people at Guitar Center just hate that song i remember being like a kid and walking <laughs> into guitar everybody. center like check this out i'm gonna check out this guitar. Like, look at what i can do yeah i mean it's probably right up there with stairway if an alien came down and saw guitar and said what is this for what does this do the genius to me is how he used his wah-wah pedal in that because the places that i would want to slam that wah-wah forward and make it scream and make it do the higher like the brighter where he chooses to pull back to like the softer, darker tones during that lick. That to me is what makes it. Jimmy. Yeah. So that's, that's the album. It's pretty good, I guess. I don't know. It's, you know, it's all right. It's decent. Overrated. That's what I'm going to say. And that's also what Mr. Anon said on Amazon who gave it three out of five stars, but he also said overrated. I love Hendrix and play guitar myself, but this album is way overrated. He may be the number one rock god, but that doesn't mean everything he did was manna from heaven. Wow. There are only two songs on this album that are worth listening to, Crosstown Traffic and Watchtower. The rest is experimental noise. The experiments <laughs> are noteworthy for advancing the field of the multi-track audio engineering, but you got to be pretty stoned wow. to think it's a good album. This was Hendrix's version of musical self-gratification. I don't usually do this because I've got no fight here and there. And honestly, there were almost a couple of sentences I could kind of see where he was coming from. But you, sir, are a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he definitely made some very confident, bold hope statements you, that can be argued. <laughs> he sure did. Yeah. Let's get into the awards and categories. Did we touch on the influences and the influence? I mean, influences is every guitar player that ever lives right I think everybody's got to at least in some way acknowledge yeah. yeah and he's got big influences he's you know eddie cochran muddy waters the beatles yes i hear joplin in this i hear jefferson airplane who i one of the jefferson airplane guys he's actually on the yes yeah and he anybody else you can think of i can't i mean really you nailed uh, muddy waters is the one that i was gonna throw out just from the guitar yeah. player you know yeah the, yeah, that's the bluesy, beautiful. One of those like blues gods that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Jimmy was definitely very into fine wine or skunk beer. We're not gonna. We're wow. not. T- I mean, do we need to? No, no, we don't. But next one is interesting. Never mind the Bullocks Award. Ooh, are you talking this band, this band, or Jimmy? We're talking experience. We're talking okay. the three studio albums. And for me, are you experienced? I like. A lot more than this personally yeah. because i am i'm a big fan of that whole kind of bluesy you know the the earlier dirtier stuff yeah that he did. yeah pre 20 year old sven would agree with that now i don't know if it's just trying to say i'm immature i'm just trying to say that i'm getting old <laughs> <laughs> never mind the bullocks means it has to be by far your best out al- your favorite yeah. album yeah, yeah, yeah but i still want to ask you is this your favorite Jimi hendrix album yeah yeah, if, if we're not counting live, the, the only one for me that I, that I would go through that tops this is the, the Woodstock. Woodstock Live. Yeah. yeah. John Paul Jones Award. So I have a good one for this. You do. I, and it's thanks to you, and it combines our two classical albums. 
I want fucking Stevie Wonder on this album, dude. Ooh. Bad. Could you imagine how fucking amazing that would have been? If Stevie would have would have would have like dropped some would have been like ripping the keyboards on this. On, yeah, I could see that. To me, I don't think anyone would fit. They would, they would change it. You don't want to fuck with it. Yeah, and anyone that I think yeah. is yeah nobody. Do you have a John Popper Award best? Crosstown traffic. Do 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 do. I mean, like that the Dude, kazoo part. His homemade uh, kazoo. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't get over that. That's that's awesome. That made my night. My John Popper Award is actually the very beginning of Long Hot Summer Night. Mm. I just want to restart. The beginning of that, the first fifteen seconds of that song, just over and replay. Over. Do we have to, Eddie Van Halen? Do we have to rename the award? Yeah. <laughs> Can we re? I was gonna ask. Um, I'm keeping it. I don't know. Eddie's done some pretty awesome stuff. I think we can keep the name. <laughs> uh, I'm keeping it the Eddie Van Halen Award, but honestly, I'm I'm just saying the whole album. It influenced every talented guitarist ever and kind of what we talked about with stevie ray vaughn and on the down the line a generation of kenny wayne shepherd generation and this definitely wasn't his biggest shred album surfer rosa award no we're not even gonna touch that time of your life award so i actually have a prominent one little miss strange does not fit at all on this album for me I, I feel like i'm listening to the zombies or something it's this yeah. so weird it's I totally forgot about that one. I think I have to agree. Just I, I hadn't even thought of that. That would probably be my vote too. Then good, great minds, Sven. I'm a really sure smart not. guy. I say it almost every episode. You, are. you know that somebody's <laughs> really smart when they talk about how smart they are. Yeah, because you speak it into truth. So let's talk our three favorite songs on this album. Let's figure out how right we were. Sven, why don't okay. you go first? Start on your number three and work your way down. So my favorite was Crosstown Traffic. It's um, such a good song. It is. It's it's just the whole it's, thing. It's in just general. Jimmy. And that song is just Jimmy. Yeah. Um, Voodoo Child's my second. The reprise Voodoo Child um, because it was one of my favorite guitar licks to learn to play, and I was one of those people that drove the Guitar Center people nuts because when I'd go into <laughs> Guitar Center. I'm gonna show off. Check this out. I can play Voodoo Child, and then and then Watchtower just because I don't know. I love all versions of that song, and and the fact. But in the end, it is it is a cover. I understand. Yeah, Jimmy's that's his God song. I get it. I do, I do. But in the end, a cover's a cover. I'm gonna take the original over everything. Yeah. My third favorite is actually Crosstown Traffic. Even though it's my third favorite, I'd probably turn it on and listen to it more than any of my other ones. But I just, it's, yeah. my second favorite is actually 1983. Ooh. The super, super long jam. The chord progressions in it, especially in the first like three minutes. Holy shit. That's it. I, it's just. That choice surprises the shit out of me. <laughs> For yeah. you. And then my number one favorite is the Voodoo Child reprise. That is the Jimi Hendrix song. That is the... That gives you the... Yeah. The bluesy, cool, yeah, guitar shit. Sven, yeah. who won the album? Mitch Mitchell. I love it. I love it. I love Mitch Mitchell. I'm, I'm serious. Such an underrated, I love Jimmy. He's such an underrated drummer. His were tasty. He would just... Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, the band... The band wins the album i'm just saying music music Music. forever thank you jimmy thank you thank you sven for giving me this album sven go ahead and rate the album so i'm giving this an 11 out of 12 rubber duckies (laughs) i mean that's pretty freaking good i mean you know rubber ducky i like it i i wanted to give this a 10 out of 10 so bad but i didn't I gave it a 9.6 out of 10 intergalactic guitar-shaped spaceships. All, okay. All because of Little Miss that's Strange. Fair. I can't give a perfect score yeah. to an album that has a song that just that's, completely does not belong. That's fair. That's fairly it just equivalent pulls me to out of the whole experience. Rubber duckies. That's our Electric Ladyland review. Yeah. I think we did okay. It was a Rabbit bit of a clusterfuck, but that's what you yeah. have to do with Jimmy. You don't have a choice. Just a little. <laughs> a little. All right. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with our second hey, classic boy, album. Boy. We will be right back. Who's got to get the ball? 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 Who's got to get the ball?
this week, I gave Sven the miseducation of Lauren Hill by Lauren Hill. What it is. Just want to say before we get into it that the music you just listened to, the song is called Rain Dance. Catboy Catboy Sounds. Sounds. Thank you, Catboy Sounds. These songs are awesome. We're the ones that pick them. We decide. We don't just play shit. We... You know, if we don't like it, we're not no. going to play it. And, and this shit's good. So anyway, I feel like I had to I had to up my beverage game. for Ooh, this one. I like it. I'm switching to an IPA because of the hoppy bitterness. Huh? Symbolic. What are we what are Here. we drinking? Voodoo Ranger IPA. New Belgium. I like Voodoo Ranger. Well, any company that encourages people to ride their bikes to work and lets them bring their families for barbecues and things like that. Sounds like an awesome awesome place let's get back to matters at hand here first right the miseducation first that's my job is to interrupt you sven that's what i do do it i am just going to say it now i think that your favorite song and we were both wrong on the last one by the way we were albums like this there's so many good songs we're not gonna fucking get these right but anyway i think sven's favorite song on this album is every ghetto every city every ghetto every city I think for you, I feel like I used to love him. Um, the one she did with Mary J. That's a good something song. About, this whole this is a hard one because there's something about almost every single track. Yeah, there's every, something about every ridiculous. single track that I'm like, no, no, no. David would <laughs> like this one because. Let's hear Sven. I'm going to try so hard not to interrupt him, but I'm going to do so it. many it, times. Yeah, interrupt the hell out of me because uh, I'm going to start off by saying like, why the do people do these intros and skits and stuff this was the thing back in like the 90s and 2000s like it's not music let's just put this i will say that as far as skits are concerned this is one of the best ways i've ever heard have done it and it still sucks yeah i mean it's not like i don't understand like Okay, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. So track one, the intro is roll call and they call Lauren Hill and there's no answer. So it's like it's like she I kind I mean I see the story they're trying to set up, but I I just think it's a very ridiculous so gimmick. The skits, I will tell you how the how they started, and I'm sorry I don't have the I feel like I wrote notes on this, but I can't fucking find them because we've been drinking a lot. But she had a uh prominent author come in to do these skits and then her and her band all they did or her group or whatever, they all just sat down and they kind of free formed all these. Right. And they, he, she told the author, I want, I just want you to quote unquote, educate us on love, teach us about love. And that's what yeah. all these skits yeah. are. And I'll say like the thing I appreciate more about her album and the way she did these, it's at the end of the song um, it's not like it's uh, most of the time other than the intro it's not its own track it's just the ending it's the it's outro out of, the way. of whatever yeah it's out of the way it's not its own ross you know. baraka that's um, his, so but I no i name. completely agree it's i've never understood skits i'm probably never going to now that that's out of the way i'm gonna go straight to track two lost ones and freaking you know like what is this another fuji track like i thought she was <laughs> done with this shit uh, no, I, I like right out the get go because that's how I know that's what I'm most familiar with, right? Lauren Hill as part of the trio, part of the Fugees, and she killed it there. I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about the Fugees, really. Uh, well, I could think of I, some things to say, but musically, I know, uh, I know exactly where you're rewind. Let me just rewind. I appreciated the music they released. This album, she just came at it hard like, oh yeah took everything she'd learned from growing up from her roots from stuff she'd done with the fugies stuff like sessions she'd done with aretha franklin stuff she'd done with you know like there's so much about this album that is stuff you'd expect from a member of the fugies and then there's, so, there's a whole bunch of this that you just you get this motown gospel soul all these other, like these doo-wop harmonies the harmonies like I, that the entire album yeah is, there is, are specific times whew. in life, whatever you want to say, where you're going to get a Beethoven seventh, the pinnacle of a genius who's been cultivating right. specific things. And to me, this is, this is it. That. And I kind of joke about, you know, yeah. that track two, Lost Ones, being like, oh, yeah, it's another food. It, it actually is. It's more like a breakup song with the Fugees. 
than it is a Fuji's song, right? Absolutely. Like kind of a a big F.U. Wyclef almost, right? Yes. So I don't know if you researched this, but Wyclef originally did not want her to do this album. Mm -hmm. That had to be a, you know, Fuji's thing. Don't fucking get in the way of Fuji's. The story is eventually he came around and offered to help produce, which I think he just started hearing tracks and was like, oh, fuck. I want, I should have been in on this. Yeah. And she was like, nah, no, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We can talk about this now, but I'm sorry, but I fucking loved Wyclef Jean. I really did. I loved everything he did. Without going too far into it, it came out that he was a total piece of shit. Yeah. He really was. He was stealing money from his charity. He was, he's just a fucking douche. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I don't know. Sorry. I'm, I'm, no, might win some, but you just <laughs> lost one. <Wycliffe. laughs> and it was a pretty big one to lose, too. Cause damn, I think she ripped your ass apart on that. And then she doesn't stop there. I think she, she continues throughout the album to rip the whole rap industry and music industry apart yes some of these later tracks yes. like it's it's very obvious what she's talking about and i think so this came out in 98 yeah yeah we oh, talked yeah. about Let's... it on our 97 episode rap was shit when this came out hip-hop was in a absolutely terrible position when this came out it was the the epitome of fast cars jewelry tits all dudes overproduced and not even There's no yeah, substance like just the the same, same fucking yep. hook over and over not even witty no just well a fuji's i felt like were the initial response to that yes. in the industry kind of the pushback or here's something that's not just this bullshit i'll rap. steal and, a line from the very first track the lost ones some may think they've reached perfection. If you look closely, you'll see what you've become. That's some cutting, like <laughs> some sharp words right there. <laughs> I totally can separate the douchebag from the music the douchebag makes. Me too. Or vice versa. It can be a really awesome person that makes shitty music. The The respect that I feel I have to pay. There's stuff on this album that I knew. The, the cover of um, Can't Take My Eyes Off You stuff that was on the radio that everyone talked about that was super popular which i love the fact that it's the only cover on the album and she doesn't even credit it yeah but she put it at the end of the album she didn't credit it she just fucking liked it and so she put it on there i love that the thing that i find the most fascinating about her and this album is that while it's to me has these hip-hop and soul and motown gospel kind of roots there's so much reggae and world and yeah. spiritual influence to it. From what I understand, like a bunch of these tracks were recorded in Jamaica. Tough Gong. At, at the Whaler, at Tough Gong, right? Yep. Is that right? Yeah, Marley's studio. You definitely hear it. I think not just in, in the way that the backing tracks and the production come together, but then like her flow. You know, she one of my favorite things and and not very many people do it in a way that I love. If you're not Jamaican and that's not your, I've heard people try to fake it and it sounds horrible. And here's this, I mean, yeah, this is where I should have done a little more re- research. Is she, I mean, I know she's East Coast. Is she New York? Uh, a Jersey native. I think. Jersey native. Yeah. N- not someone I would expect to pull off the like the whole Rasta rap, like reggae rap thing. So as I'm not, well, and I right? hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes. Go there for are it. tracks in this. I'm sure we'll get to. That are about her having her child. Right. And who is the grandson of Bob? Yeah. Rohan Marley is the father. That kind of ties into the whole, that's how she ended up in Jamaica with the Marley Studios. Yeah. So it's all. You talk lineage. That links her in, right? She's, She's Marley related, at least that way. At least. um, And part of what she is embodying and part of what she is putting into this album is for all people anyone that's oppressed i think you can take a lot of the context and content and apply it to any type of oppression um this might be a good time to say this because i really wanted to say this during this episode but there was a lot of flack so i don't remember what year it was i didn't write it down at one point, Lauren Hill got a shit ton of flack. One of the reasons that she just refused to do the whole fame thing. What happened was, is a caller called into the Howard Stern show. 
and said that Lauren Hill had said that she didn't want any white males listening to her music and this and that and this and that. And people fucking ran with it. Like Howard Stern, you know, the way he is, his shock jockness, oh. he did not just say, no, 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 no. Come on. Let's, he kind of let, oh, he's an amplifier it on. Yeah, exactly. So that's absolutely not true. She never fucking said that. She said the opposite. She said something when she heard it, she was mortified she wants her music to bring everybody together. She spoke to that on MTV a long time ago. She also, in like 2003, before it was a thing, she took on Catholicism, which was wow. a huge mistake. In 2003, she took on Catholicism about all the pedophilia, uh -huh. just called them out, which back then we didn't, it wasn't a thing yet. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Like the, the Boston Globe hadn't done their huge thing and, and all that stuff. It was right. back when Catholicism had a shit ton of power. And yeah. she got railroaded for that so hard. So all this, she got so much flack for so much shit that she didn't deserve, yeah. which is why we, it's our fault. We, well, it's why we, I mean, we as a society never got another Lauren Hill album. Exactly. She disappeared, you know? right? She, I mean, like, where's the follow-up to this? Because it feels like there needs to be a follow-up to this. And it's, it hasn't happened in 20 or in... And it never will. Twenty. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It A lot of what she says almost elevates her to that prophetic level. Yes. She calls out some things. She she hits some nails on the head. In a time that was so that was not the fashion. All these stereotypes, all the things. It, it, she's honest. This is this is a honesty album, I think. When you were talking about she calls out the industry, she does. And one of the ways I feel like she called out the industry was making this album. Yeah. And the way that she made this album was she said, "No, get rid of your stupid puff daddy auto-tune and I want the real instruments." I want them in here. I want musicians. Right. I want funk. I want real fucking shit. And this was a time, I cannot state this enough, this was a time where nobody was doing this. No. Puff Daddy's freaking label. Bad, Bad, Bad boy. boy. All he was doing was like these 70s funk samples. samples. I'm going to fast forward to Superstar and then rewind yeah. a little bit because I feel like that's that's... Her track Superstar is exactly that. It's like, your shit's weak. Yes. Like, everything that you drop. When she raps, it reminds me of a lot of that East Coast yes, groove. very much. Like, the tempo, the feel, the, the kind flow. Kind of the Nas. So, kinda, like, she's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. But, okay, I want to rewind, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. let me get to Zion, because that's the... To Zion is the one that... When I heard the guitar, I didn't even have to look and see who it was. <laughs> yeah. You hear that guitar, and you're like, Santana... <laughs> that excited me so much i'm a santana fan but just she did what everyone ended up doing in 2001 right this is 1998 you remember that when everyone was doing like the latin because you're so smooth yeah and santana had an album yeah. that's super super yeah she got the guy on her album first well and this just felt natural yeah it felt it fit it didn't feel forced it, it yeah it's, it's just such a beautiful song it's I don't want to say it's a female thing because, you know, guys have kids too. Yeah. But at the same time, the torment that she's singing about going through, you know, choosing between her career and yeah. her son. I love how she brings her own spirituality into her music a lot. Yep. I love that. And she does that with so many things. This is like her I don't give a fuck album. Yeah. You know what? Yep. This is this is my album, not your album. And the one that I probably knew the most doo-wop or I always call it that thing. Yeah. This is the most obvious song on the album. Right. I guess. Like, I oh my God, fuck Lauren, Miss Lauren Hill. <laughs> you can sing, you can do those runs. You've got one of the most incredible female voice, not even female, incredible voices ever. Mm -hmm. It's so soulful. And then on top of you can spit, fucking bars. fire like that's the thing like she's so good at singing and so good at the soulful runs and everything what what's crazy is that as good as she is at that she's i i almost feel like better at rapping it's an onslaught this album is an onslaught yeah you're on the edge of it but then but then every now and then she'll all of a sudden like give you this break 
where she'll flip it. Yep. So after the final hour, she goes in with when it hurts so bad. And then now we're talking like slow groove, heartbreak. You came from superstar, then final hour, when it hurts so bad. I used to love him. And, and then she brings in Mary J. Blige. Another song yeah. about heartbreak. She's very fair. When she, when she, she tells a story, she doesn't just... She wants to tell both sides. You know... Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's not the, and I'm sorry to call her out, and we're actually going to have an episode about it at some point, but it's not a fucking Taylor Swift. I'm the victim. He. <laughs> it takes two. It takes yes. two to tango. Yeah. In the good and the bad. Forgive them, Father. Obviously, this has like biblical, at least to me, written well, there's religion all over it just because of the everywhere in title. this album. Yeah, yeah. My favorite freaking line in this is "sick of men pulling strings like Geppetto," like the <laughs> the way that she again calling out this bullshit industry standard of yeah. talking about tits and cars, yep. and uh, that's what the entire hip hop genre was. It's another brilliant song where she's calling another thing out that deserves to be called out. It's a stellar hook with just these amazing real musician horn work. Even the the little bridge thing before the choruses, it's a whole minor yeah. song, and then all of a sudden, right before the chorus, there's this major. And, and this is another one of those where she, I hear so much of the, the like the reggae. Yeah. One of my favorite things though is like when she just lays back and tells a chill story, and she does that on every ghetto, every city. No. She's sitting down and just talking to you, she's right? Talk about her city. She's talking about where she grew up. Yeah. I feel like I'm there's... sitting there with her. I'll tell you, man, Sven, I there is so much Stevie Wonder in this track. Mm-hmm. It's so freaking funky. Oozes Stevie it Wonder. It does. Jesus, that bass line. It's such an old school hip hop track, and it's in, in every good way. Like, it it's is. perfectly done. And I love how she's like, yeah. the way she delivers, it makes me feel like, yeah. No, it's fucking it's like, outstanding. Yeah, I, was there. I, yeah. I know what you're talking yep. about, right? Everything is everything. I ended up liking after i I mean it wasn't i didn't not like it but it it had to grow on me really after a few listens initially when it started it reminded me almost of like dr dre type of beat that i could see that i I think the just the way that it started out and the 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 instrumentals i love the theme i love the in our generation we're fucked yeah. before we even get out the gate. As society, as humans will do, have screwed you over so much, you know, whether it's through racism or through slavery or through... It seems we lose the game before we even start to play. Yeah. It gets fucking amazing. Miseducation of Lauren Hill, the title track, though. So I've talked a lot about, like, what she has to say. and they, uh, This is one I want to talk a little bit more about the production. Because there's so many things that grabbed me right out the gate that I didn't even listen to what she had to say until I listened to like maybe the third time through. You know what is really fucking weird? And it's not at all their fault because how did they know? But when they came out with this in 98 and they put vinyl scratch on the album and then you buy the vinyl... You know what's weird? You get the is having double? vinyl scratch on the vinyl scratch. And you're like, what's wrong with my shit? Yeah, it's terrible. Like, Did you clean the record like, like 500 times? And like, with my car no, shit? I knew right away. I was like, oh, this is 98. Yeah, I know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Arranged beautifully. This, the piano and the strings give it this awesome like emotional connection kind of churchy feel you get like this organ that just saturates i love so much about the production of miseducation of lauren hill that i feel like she nailed it this whole album why the hell did not i listen to this more like <laughs> well i mean it took me 50 years after it came out to listen to electric ladyland it only took you 20 years for lauren hill so <laughs> <laughs> yeah Woo! i'll take it all right so let's get into awards and categories influences and influencies i she worked with aretha franklin before this which mm-hmm. obviously obviously and then she had talked about soul albums and that's why she did the real instruments and all that stuff you know like sam cook and curtis mayfield in an interview she had talked about how she had grown up on the temptations and roberta fleck and all those and then influencers is every r&b artist after this right then just throw in a little bit of that reggae and i I think 
like that wraps yeah. it all off. For so, I, how would you categorize? Where does this album fit? Is it a soul album? Is it a hip hop album? To me, it's soul. People say it's neo soul, which I fucking hate. It's not neo soul. It's not new anything. It's not whatever. It's just a perfect. Soul I mean, it's album. hard to categorize. It's just uh, miseducation of Lauren Hill. That's what it is. I love that fine wine or skunk beer. Fine wine. And from this point on, and I recommend Sven do this and all of you out there, especially if you haven't listened to it yet, pick a date in the year. Put it on your calendar. Pick a Friday night where you're going to put this album on. This is that kind of album. Yeah. John Paul Jones award. I'm not touching I, this. I, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. What about you? you even replace? Do you have a John Popper award? Best hook. The chorus from Zion. Mine is the I used to love him. Uh, my Eddie Van Halen award is the entire first track lost ones. She's just fucking spitting and spitting and spitting and spitting. And she never stops. The first track is just three minutes of her rapping her ass off. It is the equivalency of a, the perfect guitar solo. That's my, that's my applaud that I'm going to go with the Santana track because, and, and honestly, can't go wrong. Santana onto Zion. It's also my favorite hook. So Surfer Rosa Ward, no, it's not. If anything, it mellows in the middle. To me, it's definitely not a Surfer Rosa Award. Do you have a Time of Your Life Award? Worst song? Probably uh, the D'Angelo song. Nothing even matters. <laughs> yeah, it's mine too. Okay, so let's get to it. What are the three best songs on the album? And I'm just I'm gonna say it up front. Let's see. This is hard as fuck. Fuck. Yeah. I'll I'll go first. You went first last time. So my third favorite is To Zion. Uh, amazing song. We've talked about it enough. My second favorite song, we talked about it as well, Superstar. Uh-huh. But my number one song, which it sounds like from when we were talking, it's definitely going to be different for you. My number one song is Everything is Everything. Nice. Okay. I... I just, everything about that song I worship. Yeah. What about you, Sven? I'm slightly different, but similar songs, at least. Starting at three, Miseducation of Lauren Hill, title track, is my third uh, favorite. And then To Zion is is my my second to the favorite is Superstar. This feels like when she's calling out the last, what is it, like the last thing you dropped, last thing you, yeah, it's weak. (laughs) I just, yeah. And then, and that bleeds into my, so I will start it with who won the album. I mean, Lauren Hill won the album, but I mean, everybody won the album. This came out, hip hop needed a fucking savior so bad. And this came out. It was exactly what the hip hop world needed at that moment. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and rate this album? I'm sticking with my rubber ducky scale. I'm going to give this a 10 out of 12 rubber duckies. I like it. I consider this one of the albums that so much respect for Lauren. I I want her to do an, I don't want, I want to hear more. Miss Lauren Hill, you're listening to this podcast. God, give it up, Sven. It's not going to happen. Ignore me. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) My rating of this album, even with the D'Angelo song, are you and let the horns blare? To... This is this is my first official ten out of ten. Oh, oh, this is yeah. Holy crap! This is one of the, if not the best, hip hop albums in history. Whew. It just crushes in every aspect: its musicianship, its production, the lyrics, the spitting. It was complex in a shitty time that needed complexity. Yeah. To me, this is a 10 out of 10 album. Definitely. And I think the timeliness when it was released, yeah, she hit the nail on the head with the timing. Yeah. So that is Jimi Hendrix and Lauryn Hill, two of the best to ever do it, two of the best that ever will do it. And how do you feel? I'm I'm exhausted. I, what did we just do? Because, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week. I am never been more excited. We are going to talk to an amazing drummer that has just a, a couple of little nostalgia just flakes for us. We're having a drummer episode. And we're not just having a drummer episode. We're having a drummer episode with an amazing drummer. And it's we're going to do it in person. We're going to do it in person. All we're three gonna, of us. We're going to be able to reach out and touch somebody. Yeah. Cheers to Lauren Hill and Jimi yes. Hendrix and DMX. We love everybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Versecourseverse.com. We are very active on Instagram at Versecourseversepod. 
Check out YouTube. We're getting the YouTube going. Yeah, we've got playlists now on Spotify. Biggest thing is if you listen on iTunes, review and rate us. But apparently that really helps. So do that. Follow us on Spotify, review and rate us on iTunes. Sven, as always, it has been an amazing Saturday night. I love you. Pleasure. I love all the things. I love all the stuff. We will uh, see you in person next week. I haven't seen you in person for, what, like 17 years or something. So two, 72 years. Yeah, older yeah. than we are. I can't wait. Oh, I, oh.